It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is the Oklahoma Sooners defensive tackle room in trouble? I don't know about that. We'll talk about it on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Good morning and a happy Monday morning to you. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. And shout out to all our everyday club members out there that are listening to the show every single day. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Elmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Josh. The big kind of question mark that's popped up over the weekend is about the defensive tackle room, but let's start here. The Oklahoma Sooners had a player enter the transfer portal, defensive tackle Corey Roberson, a guy who's been with the team for four years now, a 2019 signee, three-star player coming out, and really just never really made hay on the Oklahoma Sooners' depth chart in his time under Alex Grinch or now under Brent Venable's Ted Roof uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, and this is our friendly public service announcement reminder to everybody out there. Not all transfer portal arrivals and not all transfer portal departures are created the same. Uh, certainly wish Corey Roberson nothing but the best. He, he, you know, in terms of service time, if you will, at the University of Oklahoma, was a part of a lot and, and was a part of helping lay the foundation for what this uh, this next next stint at Oklahoma and what this, uh, this Venables era at Oklahoma is going to be. I mean, he'll always be somebody that, that was a part of that. But uh, I do think for me, John, it's, it's pretty black and white in the sense that here's somebody that in 2021 played 208 snaps defensively for you. And in 2022 didn't play a defensive snap for you. So this, this is not somebody that's an impact player. That's that's leaving Oklahoma. Or at least an impact player for Brent Venables in his defense. Uh, he, he's somebody that might be a better fit somewhere else. Um, you might see him end up at USC where Alex Grinch is, a guy who recruited him. Um, but yeah, you know, if you've kind of been in college as long as he has and be, still just been a rotational defensive lineman and you've seen Oklahoma bring in interior guys over the offseason in the first wave of the transfer portal, it kind of puts the writing on the wall a little bit. But again, best of luck to you, Corey. Hope you do find a landing spot out there that gives you an opportunity to play some. Uh, and, you know, man, just fulfill your dreams and see wherever that takes you. But aside from that, there's been just some discussion, some talk, uh, you know, some of it based on, you know, the, the Oklahoma breakdown. Uh, Ian Boyd, a Texas insider for On3, uh, just kind of had a series of tweets where he really took a look at you know, Brent Venables, the defensive tackle position, and kind of came to the conclusion that either that one, Brent Venables was doomed, and two, that it was a nightmare scenario. And I think those are kind of big words, like exaggerations of what Oklahoma's looking like heading into 2023. I'm not going to sit here and say that they've got a great defensive tackle room right now. We don't know that. 
I will sit here and say that it's solid. And yeah, they've got they've got room that they've got to improve and they've got to get better at. But I don't think it's this nightmare scenario that just means that they can't play defense. They're not going to be able to stop anybody. And Brent Venables is going to be on the hot seat after, you know, this season or the next season. It's I don't know. To me, that's just kind of like Texas exaggerating flop, uh, propaganda out there that it's going to be OK. <laughs> It it obviously uh, sits well with one half of the Red River audience, the the Texas folks out there. You see what Ian Boyd says, where he paints a picture that basically Oklahoma, out of desperation, has has went and found a couple of two lane uh, transfers and uh, transfers from elsewhere that aren't aren't high profile defensive tackle transfers and basically looks at the recruiting side and says, oh, Oklahoma's brought nobody of note, nobody of significance in at defensive tackle and, and paints that picture. And frankly, in some ways there, there's some probably some truth to that, but we don't know that that's in the land of absolutes for Oklahoma. We don't know that Sears can't be a, a difference maker this season at Oklahoma. We also, it, you know, it, it also, if you're looking at what Ian Boyd tweeted out this weekend, which do you have those tweets, John? Let's just read them verbatim. The uh, the tweet that Ian Boyd put out there that was kind of gaining some traction. It also conveniently leaves out the fact that one of the defensive tackle transfers that you brought in, John, in Jacob Lacey, is not from Tulane, is not from uh, North Texas. It's from Notre Dame in, in Jacob Lacey. So, look, uh, I'm not here to say that Oklahoma's in this terrific spot right now or that there weren't recruiting misses at defensive tackle in the last class, uh, most notably, obviously, uh, Hicks up front. But uh, let's see how everything comes together with this group that they've got out of the transfer portal. I think Isaiah Coe's an okay player. I don't think that he's this uh, – you know, I don't think Jordan Kelly right now or Isaiah Coe, any of these guys, that we look at the situation for Oklahoma and just say that there's this wealth of NFL talent. There's concerns. Absolutely, there's concerns for Oklahoma, and I think it's fair to have a, a conversation about where Oklahoma's at. But it's also fair to say that Ian Boyd's out there using buzzwords for Texas fans to generate clicks, to generate attention to uh, a very niche audience of Texas fans that like to hear that Oklahoma's in a world of hurt. And, oh, by the way, let me just go ahead and say it, it was a, a unique set of circumstances to lead to 49 to nothing at the Cotton Bowl. So before Texas media members want to dance on the grave of the University of Oklahoma and where OU's at, let's not get too high and mighty, Texas uh, media members out there. You show me the last time the Texas Longhorns went and won the Big 12 Conference. So keep that in mind before you dance on the grave of Brent Venables before uh, his tenure has run its course at the University of Oklahoma, or before you just start awarding all these uh, accolades to one Steve Sarkeesian, who, by the way, his greatest accomplishment at Texas is that mockery of a 49 to nothing win of Oklahoma that you won when Oklahoma's starting quarterback didn't even play in the game. Yeah, Josh. So I got those tweets. We'll just kind of run down them one by one here. He says, first, Oklahoma had moved away from recruiting big defensive tackles under Grinch. He had good reasons for his strategy, but it wasn't conducive to an easy transition for the next coach. So Venables inherited a room devoid of nose tackles or guys who could take on a double. Secondly, they walked into a hostile recruiting environment with AM, snatching up DTs, out-of-state poachers like Georgia involved, and of course, Texas in the mix with a new staff. Eh. Thirdly, 
Brent Venables had very little experience with the transfer portal at Clemson because they didn't use it. And even if he did, there aren't many, typically many good D tackles there. I agree. OU has been taking flyers on defensive tackles from places like Tulane and Texas state failing to leave out, or he conveniently leaves out Notre Dame where they pick up a guy like Jacob Lacey. If you look at their recruiting at defensive tackle in 2022 and 2023, there's nothing on the horizon coming to save them. I disagree a little bit. You got Derek LeBlanc, a four-star defensive tackle. And you know what? I've been bull bully on Ashton Sanders for quite some time. I really like what he's bringing to the table. Also, you got Grayson Halton, a four-star defensive tackle that you flipped from Oregon. Like again, Oregon, a good place for defensive players. Mario Cristobal, a good defensive coach. Dan Lanning, a good defensive coach. Grayson Halton flips from them to Brent Venables. That's two blue chip defensive tackles in the last two classes. Do you need more than that? Absolutely. Do you need to get a David Stone? Do you need to get a Williams Nunnery? Absolutely you do. But it's not like you're absolutely devoid of talent. So calm your shorts there, Ian Boyd. Uh, lastly, or not lastly, uh, if this coming season, they or in the coming season, they at least avoid Kansas State and Texas Tech. Oklahoma ain't trying to avoid anybody. You want to put Kansas State and Texas Tech on the schedule right now? Make Oklahoma play 15 games, 14 games. I don't care. Put them on the schedule. We ain't afraid of nobody. Uh, the challenges of stopping the SEC rushing attacks with the fronts they're developing is going to be hard to overstate. And again, it takes time to develop solutions. Yeah, they're working on it. They've got guys in-house. They're developing these guys. So stop it. They've got talent. Uh, our concluding thought, whatever happens this year, the situation – up front on defense next year for Oklahoma is going to be pretty dire without some big time solutions. And the offense will be playing a second year Jackson Arnold and perhaps lo losing another couple of draft picks. <sighs> Ian Boyd, I get it. Yes. Oklahoma doesn't have any stud defensive tackles right now, but to be honest, how many schools across the country have stud defensive tackles right now? There aren't very many. You're not seeing many guys, from the interior defensive line going to the top 30 picks, you know, top 60 picks. You're seeing a couple, but it's not like there's just this bevy of interior defensive line play. But again, like I mentioned, you got a four-star Derek LeBlanc who's making waves. He's already getting a lot of second team reps on this team as a true freshman. Todd Bates spoke very highly of this dude's work ethic and his grind. He's got the athleticism. He's got the length. He's got the size. He can add more weight. He's going to be a really, really good three-tech defensive tackle. Grayson Halton comes in. He can already rush the passer. Do they need to find those anchors at the one-tech that can stop the run, eat up double teams? Absolutely they do. But they've got a guy, like I mentioned, Ashton Sanders, another guy, Marcus Strong. Are they moving the needle on the recruiting front as far as you know the star status and whatnot? No, but go watch it. Just go watch these guys play. Go watch their huddle tape. They are ridiculously strong athletes that can move the pocket, move the front interior of the offensive line, get into the backfield, make plays in the running game, and make plays as pass rushers. So it's not like they're completely devoid of talent. You just got to be patient, man. Like to sit there and throw out words like dire, doomed, nightmarish. Come on, man. That's like you're, you're, you're throwing out some Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless type um, vocabulary just to try to get people riled up to say, yep, Oklahoma's done. Just go ahead and 
going to write up another six and seven season for them. They're going to be bottom of the SEC when they get there in 2024. It's silly, man. The, the talent is coming. It takes time for, and, and I was, and I failed to, to understand that last season. It does take time for Brent Venables and his staff to overhaul the defense and get them in a position to be what Clemson's was. And he's talking about how, you know, Brent Venables and Clemson never really used the transfer portal during their time. Okay. So if that's the case, are we going to, are we going to sit here and like say that after two recruiting classes that this defense is not going to have a chance to be good because these two recruiting classes, in your opinion, haven't netted good defensive interior defensive line players. It takes time. It takes time to develop those guys. All these things we've talked about it multiple times on this show. It's going to be a gradual improvement. You know, year one to year two is going to be better. Year two to year three will be better. Year three to year four is going to be better. It's going to get better. It's just not there yet. Are there question marks? Absolutely. It's one of the, the position groups that we're concerned about. But to say that there's no talent at all and that because they didn't bring in any, they didn't bring in any talent in 2022 or 2023 that in the future years, they're going to struggle. I think that's missing the, that's missing the boat quite a bit. Because again, you brought in four-star talents in each of the last two classes, guys that were highly thought of on the power five level. It's going to be okay. Well, I don't totally disagree with everything Ian said per se. He, he's got some fair critiques, but it's the, oh man, it's a nightmare and Oklahoma's magically devoid of talent, which, oh, by the way, uh, my apologies to Devon Sears for forgetting that he's not from North Texas. He's from Texas State, which the same Texas State, by the way, that uh, finished with a higher total defense than both Texas A&M and Texas, by the way, that that Texas State that Devon Sears is, is coming over from. And Tennessee wanted that guy and Penn State wanted that guy. So it's not like it's just some flyer like he mentioned. This was a guy that was highly recruited by Power 5 programs, some of the top Power 5 programs in their respective conferences. To me, it's just the funniest part about it is in an inside Texas reporter that wants to paint, paint uh, total gloom and doom for Oklahoma after one six and seven season when Texas has gone through a decade of suck has shown no really no reason for you or I or anybody in the world of college football to believe, oh, Texas is about to turn the corner and win a conference championship or in their own right be competitive when they jump to the SEC. They've shown zero signs of that outside of one luck box 49 to nothing Red River win. And yet, here you go, offseason, dance on the grave of Oklahoma. So, fair concerns. Oklahoma does need to improve drastically defensively. It was a horrible step in the wrong direction for the Sooners last season. And defensive tackle is a, a big part of the reason why. And I think there were fair points to be had there. It's just funny to me that it's a Texas guy trying to dance on an Oklahoma grave when I don't know that you got too much to celebrate at Texas. Yeah, and we're going to – see more transfer portal departures just kind of as things get going here in the, the second wave of transfer portal free agency. Uh, but Oklahoma spring game is coming this Saturday. And I think we'll see a lot more after that, uh, before that, if that makes sense. Uh, coming up next, before we talk to y'all about FanDuel, Oklahoma women's gym wins another natty. Uh, OU softball is continuing to roll and Oklahoma state their softball team took a big upset loss over the weekend. Um, first, Josh on FanDuel. Ah, yes. It is 
Major League Baseball sees a grand slams, no hitters, double plays. They're back, baby. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers step right up to the plate. No sweat. First bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. Sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com backslash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So Josh, before we get to Oklahoma Women's Gym, spring game coming up this next Saturday. What's the biggest thing that you're looking for this weekend uh, as Oklahoma has their red-white game? So, I, I think uh, it's easy to look at wide receiver. What type of plays uh, do we see there? Does anybody, and I'm going to say this say this very, very cautiously here, does anybody show us something that, okay, they're ready for a breakout-type wide receiver season? It's a spring game. Let's not get carried away. I got gotcha. you. But uh, just with the relative inexperience, relative lack of production across the board. If Andrew Anthony in the spring game, wow, some folks, you know, uh, if, if one of the signees from last year, a Gibson and Anderson does something positive would be nice to see in the spring game. Farouk, if he goes out and in this spring game, John has eight grabs and 125 yards, I think would be an initial good sign for Oklahoma. So I think easy to start at wide receiver, tough for me to evaluate, anything defensive line, offensive line for the most part, uh, you know, you can, you can evaluate a little bit, I think at the line of scrimmage, John, but then, I mean, when you're talking about quarterbacks wearing blue jerseys, you know, how much can we fully evaluate that there? So I'm, you know, with that in mind, I'm probably looking more wide receiver corner. What does some of that good on good at, at those positions look like? Yeah. It is hard to evaluate, especially we don't know which offensive linemen are going to be available. We know Walter Rouse has been limited at different times during spring. He's gotten more ramped up. Andrew Rame appears to be healthy. We'll see how much they put him out there and let him play. Uh, I know that they're the what Jacob Sexton, he's you know still recovering from the injury that he suffered uh, in the Cheez It Bowl. So it's just hard to know kind of who are the top offensive linemen that you're going to have out there. But we should get a healthy dose of Caden Green. Should get to see a lot of Josh Bates, our guy, friend of the show here, uh, Heath Ozida as well. So it should be a good opportunity to see some of these younger guys play. My next question for you, over under 5 of 13 for 30 yards for Jackson Arnold. More than 5 of 13? 
for how many yards? 30. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude. I mean, are you kidding me? He'll triple that. Okay, so if you didn't catch it, that was Arch Manning's stat line in the uh, Texas spring game. Oh, the, the best player of all time, Arch Manning? Right. The most overrated player of all time? Arch Manning, is it not just a foregone conclusion that this guy is going to be wildly overrated and a total bust in Austin? I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm going to give the kid a I chance. am after Ian Boyd's comments. <laughs> if we want to play rough, we can play rough. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I hear you. Um, it was a rough, it was a rough spring game for Arch. Had uh, people on the Texas message boards questioning whether or not he was going to be any good as well. So you're kind of in fair company there, Josh. But I'm looking forward to seeing Jackson Arnold. I think that's going to be obviously one of the highlights of the spring game. How much we see him, how much they unleash him a little bit. That's going to be really interesting to watch. And I agree with you. The wide receiver position is going to be really fun to watch because there's so many guys there. That's actually one of the positions. I think we could see some transfer portal uh, departures from because they have so much depth. It's just not enough snaps for all these guys to really make hay. So it's going to be really, really fun to watch this, this next Saturday. We'll have more spring game discussion as we go through the week. We'll start talking about things that we're going to look for position groups that we want to follow, uh, position battles that are going to be up for grabs who needs to have a good spring game uh josh what a weekend for oklahoma women's gymnastics their sixth national title for kj kindler and sixth in nine years an absolute dynasty this this team has become uh must see tv i hope you got a chance to see it if you didn't get a chance to see it i'm sure it's out there on youtube you can go find it just an unbelievable performance just clutch there at the end especially so great to see you know, felt like getting to the the four on the floor and making it back to this championship round for what the I mean, they've gone every every year since 2013. So however many years that winds up being uh, in a row, I guess you take out uh, the, the covid year in 2020. So whatever the math on that would wind up being, it's an incredible run that the program has been on. And the fact that we talked about it, man, you, you go into this thing and Oklahoma had already individually beaten Florida had already individually beaten LSU and Utah. So with that and the way that KJ historically in this program has scheduled, you would have felt like you let one get away. I think if you didn't go capture this national championship, just given the fact that you scheduled the way that you did, John, and you had already beaten everybody. So, Hey, fear not. They went, they got it done. Uh, incredible program, remarkable consistency, even when they haven't won national championships just to, as I you know, said last week, leading up to this thing, John, to get to that stage again and again and again, and to not just have one year where in a pressure pack situation to try to advance to the national championships, you just flat out don't deliver is remarkable. It's like the NCAA tournament. And I get that we're, you know, mixing and matching sports here and they're not the same, but it's why we see upsets happen, right? It's unpredictable when you get to those moments where you have to deliver in that moment. And for Oklahoma to have consistently delivered in those moments is just incredible, but hats off another national championship. Insane, insane. The uh, amount of success that they've had. Yep. And then on the diamond, the Oklahoma Sooners softball team continues to roll outscoring their opponents this past weekend in the Miami of Ohio tournament. 23 to 2. So if there were concerns about the bats getting going, maybe belay those concerns a little bit cuz Oklahoma still can hit and they can hit really well. Tiara Jennings had another four RBI game. If she has an RBI, it's going to be four of them. Uh that the last 
four times she's had an RBI, she had four RBIs. So we just need Tiari to, you know, mix that up a little bit, maybe have you know, more, a little bit more consistency, but she's playing great. Jada Coleman, six for eight in the two games played. Uh, again, continuing her absolute tear. Haley Lee hits another home run. She now leads the team with 13 home runs on the season. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing to see her starting to heat up in that way. And I, I think that you kind of just were waiting, right. For that to happen at some point, too talented, too good. And honestly, even with the, the additions you brought in out of the portal, John, probably it was always going to wind up that way. Right. I mean, didn't it, didn't it just seem like that's probably the best player, best bat that you had on this roster? Which one? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you would think uh, Tiare heating up yeah. like that. I, it's just kind of a foregone conclusion that, you know, if you, you start out with, I don't know, five home runs throughout X amount of months and weeks, eventually that bat, it was it was going to heat up because just too too talented of a home run hitter to not start hitting home runs. Absolutely. And, you know, there, there's something to be said for, you know, the RBI total being a little bit down because she doesn't have Jocelyn Allo getting on base right in front of her, you know, she's still got Jada getting on base at a tremendous rate right in front of her. But, you know, Jocelyn Allo was drawing so many walks during her career, uh, both intentional and of the unintentional type that Tiari generally had two players on base in front of her to, to drive in. So, you know, the RBI total might be a little bit down this year, but she's still playing tremendous softball, one of the best players in softball. And then, yeah, Jada Coleman's playing great. You know, Kinsey Hansen continues to deliver in clutch situations. Sydney Sanders, you know, she went two for four on the weekend, had a home run. Could this be the thing that kind of gets her going? Hopefully it does. Uh, but just a, a tremendous weekend for him. The the shutout streak stopped, but Jordy Ball continued her you know scoreless inning streak right now that, that's gone back to the Texas game. She allowed the first, you know, a run in the first inning against Texas, and then she hasn't allowed a run since then. So she's continuing to pitch really well. Just had a a one and two thirds relief appearance, but still keeping that scoreless inning streak going elsewhere in big 12 softball uh, Baylor. They dropped their first game against Texas tech and then rallied uh, for two wins. But, you know, Texas tech put some runs up on the board. You know, they, they scored 10 in the Friday night game, 11 on Saturday, and then five more on Sunday. They were able to get to uh, Doriana or may on the Friday in the Friday night affair. Uh, and, Doriana, she's been touched up a little bit. You know, she had a great game against the Sooners, which led to Oklahoma's only loss on the season. But she's been kind of up and down, a little bit inconsistent. Oklahoma goes to Baylor next weekend and to play at Waco. Elsewhere, Oklahoma State, they lost to the last place team in the conference, Iowa State, uh, in 11 innings on Sunday. So as far as contenders for Oklahoma's Big 12 national title, national title crown, it seems like there's a bit of a some kinks in the armor a little bit as far as big 12 foes go. Yeah, it's a good league. And I, I still think Oklahoma state's a really, really good team. But again, this is what has separated Oklahoma. John is you, you lose one contest to Baylor and then look at all these, these wins in a row for Oklahoma and in that level of consistency and in the opponents that Oklahoma has done it against John, ranked opponents and there's been no slip-ups anywhere else and Oklahoma State UCLA I mean take your pick of all these other teams nationally they they haven't done that the last couple of seasons it's just been Oklahoma that has done that so I mean that that shows you that again I, I think that 
those are great teams and great programs. It's just Oklahoma's this bar above everybody else in the world of softball right now. Through 40 games last year, Oklahoma's record was 39 and one through 40 games this year. Oklahoma's record is 39 and one. They lead the, the nation in just about every statistical category. So if you think Oklahoma was going to drop off, you should have thought again. Because if you don't know, now you know Oklahoma softball is the number one team in the nation. And they're going to stay that way. But it's going to be a really fun series this weekend at Baylor as Oklahoma tries to get that win back. You know, they try to get that game back, go into Waco, make a statement. Um, it's I think it's a big series for their mentality, like the psyche. Like, okay, we got that one back. Because we've seen Oklahoma in, you know, last year was one of those. You beat them once, you don't beat them again. That's just the way it goes with the Sooners. So if Baylor knew it was good for them, you'd be ready because Oklahoma's coming. That's right. Sooners are coming down south, 35. Might stop at Rudy's on the way. Make sure they get some Fazoli's in Waco. That was always my stop whenever we were making lacrosse road trips down through Waco. We'd stop at Fazoli's, get them endless breadsticks, carb up for Saturday and Sunday. It's always good times. But uh, I know the exact Fazoli's you're talking about, and absolutely that was a, a Helmer household stop too. That's funny. That's right. So shout out to the Fazolis and Waco. Big, big fans of uh, big fans of you here on Locked On Sooners. But until next time, thank you so much for tuning into the show. We'll be back for our live show, 9 p.m. Central Time, Monday night. Follow Josh on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Sorry. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. I got them Oklahoma allergies getting me tonight. It was getting Josh on Thursday night last week. It's my turn now. So follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ruff. Follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. And the show can be followed wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button over on YouTube and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Also hit that subscribe button because when you do, when we go live, you get notified. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back. We'll talk spring game. We'll talk recruiting. We'll talk whatever you want to talk about as well because that's the beauty of the live show. You get a voice in what happens on the live show. So tune in Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. And until then, I'm John Williams. He's Josh Helmer. Boomer sooner. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.